of nature, what is it? It means the law of human nature, how humans are supposed to behave. Don't mind me. Okay. Toward each other, towards. It's some, isn't it the moral law? The moral law, right? Born yeah, chaos. so that's human nature. What about the, the oh, law of nature? The law of nature. The law of just oh, nature, like that, the natural world. Well, it's like. There's an order to it. Just is. It just is. And you can't break it. Right, like the four seasons. There's, there's an know, order the to regularity. it, too, right? Right. Yeah, when you take a seed, you plant it in the ground, you add water and fertilizer, it's going right. to do... It's going to grow. Right. Grow. Right. Yeah. Um, take a rock and drop it, it's going to... You know, it's going to fall. It's not going to decide, oh, I want this time. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so how is that different than, than the law of human nature? We break the law. The so-called law. The so-called right. law. We make right. our own laws. <laughs> we make our own laws. Nice. Well, and how do we know that people universally believe that this is true? There's chairs in the corner. Because when people quarrel, yes, they, they quarrel. Have, they, there you go. Yeah. Well. Yeah, and they argue about why. Why would they you do that? What, yeah. What, yeah. Why they did what they did. Right. Yeah. You Justification. Should, you should do this. Yeah. Should yeah. I left my husband because I didn't love him anymore. Well, why would you feel like you have to explain that unless you thought there was some right. law that you were breaking? Okay. So what's the materialist view? What is the materialist view? I think I should put my book on there. Comes from matter, fluke. Sorry, what? Comes from matter, fluke. Chance. What comes from matter? Everything. Matter. Everything. Okay. Only so, matter matters. The only matter. That's <laughs> <laughs> good. Yeah. Nice. Okay. Yeah. So, the, is there a god above us? Right. No. Imagine. There's no hell beneath us. It's it's uh, right. the famous song. Right. Imagine. <laughs> That's their whole materialistic worldview. There's no right or wrong, there's no law, there's nothing that governs us. Okay, so what is the religious view? That there is a law, and there is a God, and there is judgment coming. Okay, there is a law, there is a God, and there is judgment coming. Or, or, start. or at least there's a mind behind. Okay, there's a mind behind. That, that yeah. created. Yeah, now why, let's talk about that for a second. Why does he say it's more like a mind? than anything else. Because he's trying not to be religious on the radio? Well, that's, that's, that's part of it, maybe. Or initially, right? True that he's doing that, but I don't think that's necessarily why he says a mind. Okay. Distinguishes it from the, the force. Kind of a, a life force. Like, like, which you yeah. feel so good about knowing it's there, but it doesn't criticize or make any suggestions. Right, it doesn't criticize or make any suggestions. Okay, now that's the in-between view. Yeah. Right. When he talks about the religious view and he talks about the fact that a, the power behind nature is more like a brain than anything else, a mind. Why does he say that? I find this to be actually very bizarre reasoning. More like a mind. I, I really had to think about why, why is he saying it this way. Because the mind thinks and has opinions and like, it actually creates and makes. Okay. It has a will. Right? It has a desire. It, it has thoughts. It can process what's going on. And so what's behind um, the human law couldn't be matter because matter can't create matter. right? If, if, if all there was in the beginning was matter, um, where did the matter come from? So, so it's clearly something that does not have a physical body like ours. It's not a physical thing like ours. It's more like a mind. And so what, what my natural question is, um, if God doesn't have a body like ours and he's more like a mind than anything else, this power, what does it mean that we're made in the image of God? I always thought being made in the image of God meant that I, it was my physical. It was thinking beings. With thinking emotions. beings, yeah. okay? 
Okay, what else? Let's go. Let's expand on this. Why? How many of you guys have ever thought that being made in the image of God was about the fact that you look like him? Like when you look in the mirror, you look... Yeah, right? <laughs> but how would that work if he doesn't have a physical body? He has a hand. He has a hand. Okay, so anthropomorphism is in the Bible. The arm right? of the Lord. Is the arm of the Lord, the hand of the Lord, the rock. He's God. And, and, but if you think about it, he's also other things. He's a rock, but is he a rock? No, but he says that. So when he says he has a hand, does he actually have a physical hand? Jesus does no, now. No, I think that's what we have to do. <laughs> right? Jesus does now. Right? He has an actual physical hand. Trick question. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, apparently, even though he doesn't have a body, he can morph into... Well, he did. Because he did that for Moses. He walked by him. Mm. He said, you can't look at my face, but you and can see the back of hand. me. Right. And covered him with his hand. Oh, right. right. He wrestled with, he wrestled with uh, Abraham. He wrestled with Abraham. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Now that's after crea- after creation. But he did more. I mean, Jesus, you can say so, that was. Yeah, yeah, so you guys are bringing up an excellent point. So after creation, there is a being that goes around in the Old Testament, and he looks an awful lot like a man. And who is that being that we see and hear? Jesus. 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 Right? It's pre-incarnate Jesus. Because he wasn't just waiting in the wings in heaven, drinking soda pop, <laughs> waiting for his moment in the sun. He was there all along. And anytime you see... Jesus, uh, God the Father in the Old Testament, God in the Old Testament, it's always Jesus. But that's, right, that's post-creation. So in eternity past, right, how many of us imagine this giant guy who looks wizened and old, sitting in a cloud or some nondescript thing just there? And what we imagined is a person always. Mm-hmm. But subconsciously, kind of. Subconsciously, that's how it makes sense to us, right? Super mm-hmm. kind of. Yeah. yeah. But what, what, think about it now that the, before creation there was just this thing like a mind. And that's what C.S. Lewis is getting at. I think we can, because we can't, that's hard for us to grasp. Yeah. We visualize a being like right. us. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And because he wants sense. to communicate himself, <laughs> he, he says things about himself like, oh, my, heart, my bright arm. Right. right? Uh, my eye behold. Because it's something we can relate they're, to. Yes. They're right? They're metaphor. They're, it's all metaphorical. Mm-hmm. Which um, is why Jesus comes and he says, I'm a door. I'm a shepherd, mm-hmm. right? You hear my voice, you follow me. He, he talks about the fact he's bred from heaven. He gives himself these, these metaphorical statements. But I, I, I love it because is he, is he bread? I'm just thinking, do we, we don't visualize God as a loaf of bread. <laughs> well, I do. I do. Right? Right? Like he's the bread from heaven. So when you're sitting down to read the Bible, you're, you're sitting down and putting butter on bread and eating it. Now, that's what you're doing. Uh, and that's how I visualize it. But I, I have... Right, this is why C.S. Lewis, his whole thing about um, the organ of ima- your, your imagination is the organ of meaning. He gives meaning to it. What does it mean that Jesus is my daily bread? Well, just like I sit, like I'm hungry, and so I eat, and then I'm not hungry anymore, and I'm satisfied, and I have energy, and I'm going to go do things, I sit down and I do the same thing with Jesus. Mm-hmm. So I'm not just contemplating him in my mind. I'm actually eating him and getting energy from him. And I'm animated because of it. And I, and I think he kind of just drops this idea in the middle of this talk and moves on, this idea that he's a mind. Um, and it's very weird. Uh, I'm trying to sit here and imagine what it would be like to just this eternal mind. Um, so then when we're made in the image of God, it's not just our physical bodies. 
It's the fact that we have wills and that we think and that we can't imagine um, that we can, uh, like can anyone imagine, like let's try this. Can, can you think of um, something that you've built? How many of you guys have ever gone to Ikea and uh, purchased a shelf? <laughs> yeah, how many of you guys follow the instructions? <laughs> how many of you have people in your family that can't follow the instructions? <laughs> so uh, what I have to do is I look at the instructions and it makes no sense to me. I have to look constantly at the picture on the front of the box. Mm -hmm. um, I have to imagine the thing, um, this whole idea about visualization, right? If you sat down and you imagine yourself shooting free throws um, and you just practice in your mind without actually moving, um, you're more likely to, to hit free throws um, than somebody who doesn't. Why? Because there's something about the power of our mind. Um, and, and Paul talks about this in Hebrews. He talks about the fact that our, our, our faith is ontological. Right? Our faith gives substance to the things that we are, have faith in. So I have faith in the resurrection day. So my mind, it, it, in a sense, creates it. And it's like a, it's a, it's an event in history like D-Day to me, and and that's what faith does. We, and but that is, I think, where we are more like God um, than the fact that we walk around and have arms. Um, and I and I think that's an, an idea worth worth exploring more. Um, okay, so this religious view that there's this mind behind everything. So that um, he talked about the fact that neither of these ideas, the materialist view or the religious view, are new. Uh, what do you guys think about that? What does he mean by that? Right? I thought uh, this materialistic view was created by uh, Freud and <laughs> Marx and Nietzsche. Um, that was what we learned about in the fall, right? This, this modern view. But is the materialist view necessarily the same as the modern view? No. no. Okay, why? Why? C.S. Lewis says it's not. Why? Why does he well, say that? There's been ancient philosophers who've had the same view. Way back, right? Way back, right. So if you go back, Plato had his uh, people who did not agree with him, and, and, and lo and behold, you go even amongst the ancient Greeks, and they also have a materialist view. And Plato, uh, this is why Plato absorbed so well into Christian theology, um, is because he believed in this idea that there is a power behind everything. There is this thing that if you want to call it a god, fine, call it a god. Um, and and it, his categories are very helpful, because he made a lot of sense out of the world and how it actually functions. And that's why so many people are distracted by and kind of go that, you know, platonic, neoplatonic ideas, it, it, they're, they're always present. It's funny that they call it neoplatonism because every generation um, has to struggle with Plato. It's, so there's nothing new about it. And that's what I like about this. C.S. Lewis, his, his long view of history and ideas is very helpful um, because, you know, there were people, especially now, it's very in vogue to say that no one in ancient Greece actually believed that there was a Zeus, that there was this Olympus, this place where the gods lived and dwelt. But there were lots of people who thought that. I mean, you don't sacrifice people and um, have temples and have temple prostitutes and have the whole process if you don't believe that there's some force behind it. Plus, a lot of the ancient ruins that we know today are because of them. They built all these things. Yeah, still stand. They still, they're still yeah, there, they're right? Crumbling, but they're still yeah. there. It was important to them, right? Um, and I'm reading. Uh, this is why reading old books is so important. I'm reading um, Plutarch's uh, Makers of Rome, and I'm fascinated by how religious they are. Um, 
you know, they're, they're about to set out and, and, and one of the praetors falls off his horse. And everyone's like, whoa, stop. The whole army, we're about to leave. But now we have to go to the temple and sacrifice to Zeus because the, that is a bad omen. It's bad juju right there. We're not getting started that way. Um, and, and, and I find that they are far more religious, the Romans, than, than what I am told. Right? If you read modern historians or modern people who are writing forwards to their myths, they talk about the fact that this was all make-believe, like they're watching Netflix or something. But they really believed it. They really believed it. Okay, so what is science? What is science and how is it used? C.S. Lewis talks a lot about this, about what science is and how it's supposed to function. So what is science? Process. Process. To understand something. Okay, a process by which we understand something. It's knowledge through observation. Now what do we come to, hold on just a second, hold on. What do we come to understand through this process? The natural world. Okay, the natural world, but what's specifically about it? How it works. How it works, okay? So I can observe that rocks fall when you let them go. I can stand here and watch a thousand rocks fall, and every time the rock falls. What I cannot tell you is why, okay? And, and this is why I get into my interesting views on the fact that gravity is actually just... A mathematical equation. It, people act like it's this force that exists somewhere, but it's just a math equation. It's what happens when two bodies are. Anyway, okay. <laughs> so, you, what, what, what did you say? Uh, knowledge. It, yeah, it's knowledge through observation. Knowledge through observation. Okay, so we watch fire. What does fire do? We watch, uh, you take these two chemicals, you mix them up. Uh, that guy died, so okay, let's not do that again. <laughs> you watch the sun and the stars. Yeah, you watch the sun and the stars. You're, you're learning all about the natural world around us. Now, for a modern scientific people, okay, this is this is what I, I love about how modern modern people are supposed to be very scientific. Does anyone know what kind of grass is growing in your front yard? Can anyone tell me the kind? Well, but grass. No, fescue, because I planted. Well, see, there you go. So I somebody would know. Of course, it's rude. But I had this conversation with my sons earlier this week, and they're like, "There's not different kinds of grass." And I was like, "Oh, son. Oh, son. Like, you notice how my grass grows moss, and that guy's grass doesn't grow moss. These are different grasses, and we treat them differently, and they do different things. And most of us can't even, as scientific as we are, we don't even observe the things in our own front yard. Um, so this is one of those things about restoring modern man. Uh, to, right? He's, he, we ought to be engaged with the, the world around us. We think we are. We think we are. Because I can Wikipedia um, the, the various chemical compounds in salt. So therefore, I'm a scientific person. But I can't walk out my front door and tell you what kind of maple tree this is. Um, and, and this is something that I find we are not who we think we are, and it's worse than we realize. It's a phrase that I love to apply in this case. Well, and then something uh, Joel and I learned two summers ago is that uh, a lot of scientists believe in that uh, process of dating rocks. Mm -hmm. Car uh, yes, but then they did it around Mount St. Helens when they observed the actual explosion and they got five different dates oh, from the dates. same rock. Yeah. And so they buried the study. Yeah, totally. <laughs> yes. And that's what they do, right? 
So, because uh, the Smithsonian, people love the Smithsonian, and I love the Smithsonian, don't get me wrong. If you ever have a chance to go there, go there, they make nice books. But part of what they do is they protect particular narrative. Yeah. And I, if I had a dig in my backyard and the Smithsonian came out and they wanted to take it over, I would be very nervous. Because what they do is they come and they collect anything, they're like, well, we're going to take this back to the Smithsonian. And they actually collect and hide anything that doesn't promulgate their, their particular worldview. Yeah. Um, and that's not science, in my opinion. Um, so, you know, the, the process by, of, of science is it tells us how things work, right? Like how do you get a, an airplane off the ground into the sky? How do you put some people on the moon? Um, you know, how do you make sourdough? Uh, this is all science. Now, what does what is science completely, what is it incapable of telling us? Okay, you can tell us how things work. Why? Why? Okay. Why? I cannot observe trees for any length of time to tell me why a tree exists. I, I can tell you what it does. And this is going back to C.S. Lewis's thing about what is playing, you know, what is football? Why, why are you playing football? Well, I'm playing football to score goals. No, no, that's what football is. That's not why you're playing it. You're playing it for other reasons. And, and people confuse being able to explain how something works with why it's there and why it's why it works that way, right? What is it? I mean, we can tell you what trees do, but why? Why are they there? We often mix up how and why, right? We'll say, drop the rock. Why did it fall? Oh, because of gravity. No, no, no. The meaning was. Is there meaning yes, behind that? Is there meaning behind it? Because all you're describing is how. how it's there. It really. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. So. Um, uh, 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 so how does Lewis's argument previously that we've studied about observing from the inside versus observing from the outside or looking at versus looking along, how, how, how is that applied in this case? What's, what, what is, how does those ideas function here when he's talking about science? Because he gets into this postman idea. Yeah. Well, he, uh, he makes this comment that the creator must be a wonderful artist based on Study of creation. Yeah, yeah. So you can look at it and you say, okay, this person. What do we know about him? He's 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 very creative. He's very artistic. Um, so then, when he gets onto this postman idea, what? Explain to me this metaphor that he uses about a postman. A postman comes and he delivers a letter to Laura. And how do I know it's a letter? Because you get it. Because I also get it. Now, do I know what's in your letter? No. But I know what it is. It's a letter. Okay. And I know what that guy is. He's a postman. <laughs> now, yeah, that's the difference between I can I can understand what's going on there because I do it happens to me too. And he makes this point about the fact that we know more about what is the thing we know the most about as human beings on this planet ourselves. Mm -hmm. Okay, no matter what you do, you will never know as much about anything else as you do yourself. Okay? You can study French poetry for 50 years, and you'll never know as much about French poetry as you know about yourself. Okay? Um, now, do you guys agree with this idea? Because I reluctantly do. I hear it, I'm just like... Mm. No, but I think that's why the gender confusion doesn't sit right, because every woman on this planet knows what it means to be a woman from the time you're 11, 12, up until the time... Yeah. 60, 70, every actual biological woman will go through, save a few for medical reasons, the same thing. The same thing. And you're, you know it from the inside. Right. You know mm -hmm. it from the inside. And no matter what a man does, they will never know it from the inside. Yeah. Got no. first hand experience with it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. 
Well, um, I was going to comment on your idea that we, we can easily be deceived about ourselves too, and not not uh, be honest about ourselves. Right. right. And I think that's, that's where challenge. that's where I just have like a little caveat. Yeah. yeah. But I think he's right. <clears throat> Overall, um, it's really interesting how it works because it's like, what Justice Brandeis was his name. So they're, they're, they had this case in the Supreme Court years ago about pornography, and 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 it, they had a lengthy discussion, days of argumentation as to what it is. Uh, and, and I find that there's a lot of things like this. Uh, one of my favorite philosophical questions is, what is a chair? Um, and we can sit here until tomorrow, and we will not come up with a definition. But we, what, everyone knows a chair when you see it. Yeah. Right? Everybody. And Brandeis said the same thing about pornography. He's like, listen, guys, we're not going to spend any more time on this. I can't define it. But I know what it is when I see it, and this is it. So you lose. And and he he swayed actually the other justices through this argument, because uh, we don't need to sit here and, and talk about what it uh, define it. We all know what when we see it, and this is that's what this is. This is not free speech. Mm. And I find that kind of horse sense is is the thing that C.S. Lewis brings. Um, I know what's going right. I know myself because I'm inside. Nobody needs to explain it to me. I just know. Right? We, we, nobody needs to define what a woman is. It's nonsense. We all know what a woman is. We just know. Um, and, and this is why does modern man feel like they have to, unless we can define it, we can't move on. We have to stay here and just work on this definition. Why, why are we this way? The alignment. What's that? In the alignment. <laughs> trying to categorize everything. Yeah, we want to we want to categorize everything. We want to be able to logically explain Understand. everything. Understand. You want to stand above and say, in, in a judgment, this is, and then be able to say it. But think of how many things in life are actually a greater mystery. I'll say it. Can anyone want to, anyone want to try to define a chair? Anybody? You want to take a shot? Some of the four legs you sit on, like a horse. Anyway. <laughs> I tried it one time at, at Providence when I was teaching uh, seniors, and, and what, I was like, all right, fine, let's write down on the board everything it's not. And we filled the board and wiped it clean and did it again. And, and, and it, it's, you can't do it, and this is the way the world is, okay? But we're going to tell you what's going on on the other side of the galaxy with absolute certainty. Okay. <laughs> Okay, what does man know? Okay, what does man know more about anything in the universe? Um, okay, so why is it important that why is he bringing this up that we know more about ourselves than anything else? Where is he going with this argument? How does he make it? Yeah, I was just going to say he, he's making claims about uh, the nature of human nature, mm -hmm. and and the way that he gets people to agree with him is to ask you to evaluate that within yourself to see if the things. If the inclinations that you feel match the what he's describing. Right. Yeah, so he's putting it back on the listeners. You know yourself better than you know anything else. Tell me I'm wrong. Okay? Right, right. And people can try, and people did. But can people cannot actually explain this away. Why do I why do I justify myself? If I really believed um, that this was all nonsense and uh, there's no law above us and everything, I wouldn't I wouldn't waste my time. And what I find fascinating is just how inconsistent this is and how easy it is to unhorse this particular general. Um, I, and I think of uh, one of my favorite authors, Indy Wilson, and um, he was in a class at, in, at university where he, he was told to write a paper about nihilism, and just how everything is meaningless, there's no laws, there's no standards. And so he gets out a piece of paper and he writes his name at the top of the paper and he says, I refuse to write this paper. 
and turned it in. And he got an F. And he's like, well, I thought there's no standard. I thought there's no, you want me to write about this, but you clearly don't believe it. Um, and he created a lot of problems uh, for this teacher uh, and the students. Because then he had a student who, who also was uh, a spouse of this whole belief. And he literally <laughs> walked up to him in a pub when they're debating these things and, and, and pushed him against the wall and, and then accosted the man and attempted to take all of his French fries. <laughs> He's like, give me all your fries right now, and you will buy me fries every day for the rest of the semester. And if you don't, I'll beat the crap out of you. And he could. Uh, and the kid was terrified, right? And then look, Andy Wilson was like, come on, see? Nobody wants to live in that world. Nobody wants to live in that world. Why, why are you espousing this belief? Look at how terrified and frightened you are, and you probably have to go see the school counselor now. And why would you want to live in such a world? I mean, does anyone want to actually live in the world that they're describing? Okay, and we go on TV, and they play all these tricks on us where they make it look like it can work. Um, and can you guys think? Can you guys think of a movie where there, there was like complete nihilism, just like absolute meaninglessness, but then they make this profound movie out of it? And you're like, how did they do this to me? Why do I feel like these characters mean something, and their life means something, and there's all this meaning behind all this? When they just spend the whole movie talking about how there's no meaning. And I find myself increasingly... Um, just dissuaded from any kind of modern internet. Yeah. I'm going to start watching silent black and white movies. <laughs> like what it's going to. The Holy Good. Except when I did watch Looper finally. I'm sorry, see, I'm thinking of this. You told me to watch that movie years ago. That was a pretty good movie. Okay. Yeah. Looper's pretty good okay. if you have the time. But what we see in art, right? If you go down to the um, art museum, what, do mo what does most of the art look like? Nothing. Nothing. Fireballs. Splatters, <laughs> right? You know? Yeah, I mean, they literally, <clears throat> you put a, a, the, the canvas on the floor, you tie a can of paint to a, a string, you poke a hole in, in three sides of it, and then you just let that thing swing. And you're like, look at this profound, meaningful thing. Hmm. You, you're, and you're, people pay big bucks. Big bucks. But there, that's like a whole trick. There's like a whole thing going on there where the right people say that the right things are worth the right money and everyone invests in it, and it's like, the, it's like they learned how to do this through the banking system or something. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> it's a swindle is what it is and they're like this has profound meaning and the entire process that you just went through you're saying there is no meaning there is no process there is no um, I mean there's no beauty here I mean but the beauty is what anyway it's very very confusing to me mm -hmm. um, and it makes me sad but anyway <laughs> okay, so uh, da, 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 da. okay, the in-between view. At the at the very end, he says that he when he was on the radio, he explained the materialist view and the religious view. But there's this in-between view that he has a note about at the end of chapter four. Do you guys remember what that is? The in-between yeah. view. It's not the materialist view. It's not the religious view. It's this other one. The life force. Yeah, the life force. Low life force. Low life force. Now, most people probably actually fall in this category. And can and what is this view, the life force view? It's kind of like open theism a little bit. But it's like it's like the yeah yeah it's like the matter that sort of like taking straight with the materials view that you know the matter itself all kind of works together and it has its own uh, pur purposes. Yeah. It has its own purposes. And, yeah. You know, I'll, I'll not just I guess stop you short of the actual mind, right? But right. Its own like. Driving force, driving force towards something. Yeah, there's this driving force, and you, you get all the comfort right. of religion without all of the responsibility, right. okay? The George Bailey religion. Mm -hmm. So you, you sit down and you watch A Wonderful Life. He doesn't mention God or Jesus or even deism, religious, 
anything religious for the entire three quarters of the first three quarters of the movie. Then he falls on hard times, and he and he goes and he gets drunk. That's always a good lead into prayer. And then he prays to this being, okay? And, and he expects him to do something. Now, at his wit's end, he wants comfort. And there was no thought, right? He never goes to church. There's nothing religious about his life at all. And and this is what people are like. I will do whatever I want. I answer to no one. But oh my gosh, gosh, now I'm having a hard time, and I need to cry out to this benevolent being who's going to save me from myself. Um, and, and, and this is the way most people live, mm-hmm. I, I would say. Most people are actually spiritualists enough for this. They, they mm-hmm. live in this open theism kind of in-between place. Mm-hmm. Okay. I think that was pretty obvious after 9-11. Yes, after mm-hmm. 9-11. Mm-hmm. There is evil. There is, <laughs> there is evil in the world, and I'm glad it's way over there. Right. We should send people way over there to stop it. Yeah. <clears throat> We're not really sure what stopping it means. Yeah. Whatever. <laughs> Uh, okay, so what is progress? He gets into the beginning of chapter 5. He starts talking about progress, which progressivism is a thing. So it's good to talk about what progress is. What is progress? Well, who's asking? <laughs> okay, so what in common parlance, like in, in general conversation, I would say he's a progressive guy. He's, he's seeking progress. He's a progressive. Humanity improving itself. Humanity improving itself. Okay. Now, progress, uh, the, the word itself indicates, in some sense, that there's a destination. Right. But what's the destination? Right? To the progressive secular mind, what is the actual destination? We're making progress towards what exactly? Some sort of human utopia. <laughs> yeah, some sort of human utopia that, they, that we can't even really agree what that means. Yeah. Right? Because the Muslim version of that, uh, secular Muslim version of it, is very different than the secular New Yorker version of it. Um, so we're, we're progressing towards this. But what does C.S. Lewis say actual progress is? Real progress. He says that if you start going off the right track, then progress would be to turn around and get back on the right track. Right. So he does include that. But progress, he first states, is this idea that we're going somewhere specific. Right. right? We have a destination. Now, if you get going the wrong direction, the, yeah. the, the person who's going the wrong direction, the most progressive person is the one who turns around and heads back yeah. the direction that they ought to be going. But progress implies that there is a destination. So what is, what is it that we are progressing towards as Christians? Well, how would we explain this? Mankind is progressing. I, we call it sanctification. Humankind is san- being sanctified. Um, we, uh, we here are rabid post-millennialists. We're headed towards a glorious utopia, <laughs> indeed. Um, and, and that utopia is not founded by us. Okay, um, It's founded by God. He provides it. We're going there. And that's the destination, right? Glorification is our destination. So anything that's heading away from that, progress would be turning around and going back the way we ought to have come. And, and so this, I love this. He goes through this so quickly, but I think this is the most important thing for us to understand because we talk so much about progress. Um, people want to progress with the, with the, the green movement. People want to progress, right, we want to build back better. We want to do all these things. There's all this progress, progress, progress. <clears throat> And we have to stop and ask, where are you going? Yeah. Um, and, and then we can talk about how you're, how you're getting there. Because where you're going is an illusion. And so if, you're, if where you're going is an illusion, uh, you can't really say you're progressing towards something. Right. <laughs> you're actually progressing further away from the actual destination. Sometimes I kind of wonder if some progressives 
don't care where they're going. They're, just, they're trying to get away from something. Like yeah, yeah, right. Religion, <laughs> and, you know. Uh, yeah, they're, they're just, they want to be like the, the expanding universe. Yeah. We're just yeah. getting away from the center. Get away from, yeah. Yeah, what do you, I mean, <laughs> what do you guys think about this? Sure I was like thinking about called. just yeah. that snippet reminded me of, like, China. Yeah. Like a whole big group of people moving towards something, but they are unable to break away from the rules God has underwritten. Mm. Mm-hmm. So they snapped down a one-child policy, and now they're reaping the benefits of they will not be able to support the old people. Yeah. Right? And the young people don't have anyone to marry to make more young people. Right. So it's this underlying like force of nature, mm-hmm. and they tried to override that. And, and as much of a U-turn as they want to make... It's too, it's almost too late to course correct. Yeah, but they tried. But and they, and they, they are and they are continuing right. to try. Now they're even further right. like trying to narrow the scope of their civilization. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And will it work? <laughs> I feel like I'm gonna. It's yeah. a Dr. Seuss book. We don't know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because the one-child policy not only did it limit the number of people you had, the way they went about it guaranteed that they were not gonna have enough women. Oh yeah, uh, to marry all the young yeah, men. They, mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah and now they're the people right killed. Yeah. Which this is one of the things about what's going on with Russia right now. Part of why Russia. Do you guys know one good reason Russia wants to take Ukraine? One good reason? Yeah, one, well, one, one good reason <laughs> well, in their own mind. Putin like says he wants the old USSR yes, back. Yes, but why? Well, he, um, Russians ethnic Russians, Russians living in Ukraine. Yes. Yeah, and I mean, I'm going to be a little crass for a moment, but it's full of white people, and Russia is increasingly not full of white people. Uh, Russia is increasingly full of people because they did the same kind of thing. They had a lot of abortions. They are not reproducing fast enough, right? But if you go and steal a nation full of white people... You replenish your resources without giving your nation away to people who are coming from Kajikistan and that kind of thing. They um, refer to the people of Central Asia as black. Yeah, yeah. right. And, and they're derogatory. Being, and there's a lot of them, just like what we have here. They're going where there's work. There's going where there's jobs, where there's housing, where there's money. And so they're migrating into Russia. And Russia is looking less and less like Russia. Um, just like right, Mohammed is now like the top three names in England. I mean, there's there's they aren't reproducing, and so they're bringing people from the southern hemispheres north. Um, and this is partially, I think, behind the motivation. Russia wants to fill, refill its nation with the kind of the right kind of people. Well, and he even offers. You have more than three kids. You start getting bonuses every year. Oh, have really? Have you seen his family day celebrations? No, it's hilarious. He brings out anyone with more than seven kids and gives them medals. There was the Lilias <laughs> would be like... Oh, my gosh. They would have, like, yeah. they'd have a palace. <laughs> the Catholic Church would thrive there big time. Right? <laughs> big time. Yeah, boy. But it's only families that are white Russian. They're yeah, white. exactly. Exactly. <clears throat> and, and, you, and what I find is that what's going on in Russia... Is, is very similar to what's going on in Europe, what's going on here, right? Where, where are a lot of people migrating from? Down south. Yeah. 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 South America. South America. And not everybody here likes that. And not everybody likes that for the right... Or not everybody doesn't like that for the right reasons. 
Um, and, I, and it's just very interesting, the ethnic question about what Russia's doing. So it, it, I think it gives contextual understanding. It's not any, I, I didn't mean to say a good reason, because it's not a good reason. They don't have any good reasons. Well, I know what you meant, but yeah. 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 But the demographics, the demographics. Okay, so, uh, 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 oh, yeah, this, C.S. Lewis had this statement. Do you agree um, that the power behind the law is merciless and no friend of man? Mm-hmm. That, that kind of threw me for a minute. Uh, yeah. That threw me a little bit too, because I have some qualifying but, questions. But. Because I think if you, go, I, I don't actually think nature is that way. I don't think it's merciless and no friend of man. Now, I mean, okay, we can all try to go up on the tundra and live, but that's not quite the only place you can try to live, right? right. But but the world, like, what does he mean by this? Why does he say that it's merciless and no friend of man? I think I understand why he's saying it, but there's just some qualifying statements I would prefer. When you think of like natural disasters that are like violent, right? And then you think, oh, well, then obviously this is not man. So I think he's trying to incorporate that aspect of nature into like the full picture of nature. Yeah, and he doesn't say it, but does does he mean pre-fall nature or post-fall nature? Right. Because this idea that nature is evil and, and, and violent and opposed to us, um, it's not actually true even now. What, what's true is that it's under a curse. Um, and that's different than it being opposed to us. Because nature is supposed to be something that we uh, take dominion of and control. It's a good thing spoiled. Use. Yeah, it's a good thing that's spoiled. And so that's what I mean by the quali- qualifications. Now, I mean, it's really funny because when I... Even since I wrote this question, our, you know, a friend of our, a, a good, a good man in '57, dropped, just passed away suddenly at the gym earlier this week, and I was like, I think this is what Lewis meant because it's cruel, it's cruel, um, but it's not necessarily. Na- I don't blame nature. Uh, but he's not that all far the removed from like the potato famine in Ireland. Mm. Or, yes. Like, the pre-industrial yeah. age is still yeah. very fresh in his teachers' minds. Yeah, yeah, that's a good sure. point. Mm-hmm. And so I think we forget the generation that he is growing up in yeah. is being taught by the generation that came out of yeah. huge natural... Yeah, that's a good point. He is from Belfast, a little place where they, they know nothing but peace, prosperity, and harmony. Right. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then, so that, that's a good point, because I think... I think the fallen world is unpredictable and dangerous. I mean, I think you have to admit That's that. That's probably what he was saying. Yeah, I, I think he's just really making the point clear. Um, okay, so how is the moral law pedagogical? We only have a few more minutes. How is the moral law pedagogical? Pedagogical. Pedagogical. What's pedagogical mean? Teaching. Thank you, teacher. <laughs> I have this question, but I actually don't even remember why. What was I referring to? Um, ah. So the moral law, which he put in our mind, this is more instructive than the universe. Oh, yeah, okay. So the moral law is more instructive about what God is like than, than the universe. That, that was his thing. Um, because the designer, right, a man who designs a house can't be a piece of furniture in the house. A man who designs a house can't be a wall in the house. He's outside of it. Um, and, and, and you look at nature going along with it being violent and opposed to man. And you aren't going to learn as much about the person behind this, this power, behind the law, as you are from the law itself, is his point. Now, do you guys know why? why? What does the law teach us about the lawgiver? 
what not to do. Yeah, but that's that's what it teaches us to do. What does it teach us about the one who gave it to us? His nature. Right. His nature, yeah. right? Yeah. Which is what? What is like? Which is good. Just, right. just and good, yeah. but is right. he safe? No. 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 Right? Because think about like when you have to actually admit that you've done something wrong, mm-hmm. it is not pleasant. It's like it's like a hurricane making a landfall. In in some some of the moral things that we have to do, but he he clearly is a good good being, a, 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 an upright being, a holy being, a gracious and kind being. It but that does not make him safe. Mm-hmm. Um, which you can see how C.S. Lewis goes from here and creates a character like Aslan, mm-hmm. um, because Aslan is very good, but he's not safe. Right? He's not a tame lion. Um, okay. Do you guys have any questions before we wrap up? Let me answer most of my questions. So we. We've gone the first four talks. Uh-huh. We do the next two. The next two. Okay. Yeah, and then I'll send a, um, something, his appendix to the book, um, Abolition of Man. And we can look at what he actually thinks the moral law is. And he, he, he went to the Magdalene Library and found all kinds of quotes from ancient and modern sources from all over the world describing what he thinks is the universal moral law. So I'll send that out to you guys to look at and consider, and we'll talk about that next week a little bit. Okay? okay. Otherwise, just watch the next two videos. Awesome. Cool. Dexter, you want to pray for us? <clears throat> yes. <clears throat> Thank you, God, for um, revealing yourself through different ways, through nature, and helping us learn character, your character through these things. Thank you for men like Lewis, Pastor Kloss, for uh, giving us insights and guiding us through to learn more about you and who you are and how and why you have made us. These things we pray in your name. Amen. 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 Alright, thanks guys. Have a great day.